moving the box and lowering out the side mm -hmm. so that you can now see beyond the edge. The brain does not do the difference between the real and the imaginary. Yeah, you are absolutely right. We're in the language of film at the moment. You're in the language of possibly change management and transformation. So when you think you're saying one thing, we're picking up something else. In the room, 52 Jokers Wild. Garvin actually said to me, George, George, don't let us have a preamble going on because basically we'll, we'll have all the juicy bits all done and dusted and, no! and, and they won't start recording. No, and no, actually, go, the gasting is you think... We've got to have an introduction. We need to have no, an introduction. No, it's already <laughs> happening. The gasting is we don't know you, you don't know us. We're already five minutes into a conversation about, it doesn't matter, about, about nothing, nothing at the moment other than <laughs> humanity. <laughs> And, and saying hello. Hi, I'm George. This is Frederica. This is Garvin. And somewhere along the line, we have a show going on. Hi! <laughs> the show is a matrix. Yeah. And actually, I think in our last one, we were saying the show must go on. I no, just got the song in full blast in my head now. <laughs> now, normally that happens to me. The sun that comes around here, spots yeah, yeah. me here. George then reminds me that I'm winking at him. And, you know, I've one eye because the sun is, 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 is on my bald head, nuking me. But um, no, I said, what we will do is, look, no, it's not what we will do. I'm trying to be the showman. George has to calm me down, rein me back in and go, there's a structure. There is a form. It's a hard job. It's a very hard job. <laughs> now that you have you there, he has some hope. <laughs> yeah, Bob hope, probably. Yeah, there's no, there's hope. no other hope there. <laughs> So uh, now we 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 will use some of this. That these could be the outtakes. We'll get something going on in there. So, okay, folks. Well, look, we are reaching our episode seventy. I think it is in this game at the moment. And for the very first time, we have a guest on our show. It's Frederica Murphy, who's releasing a book at the end of the month, which we probably won't talk that much about. You probably will somewhere along the line. Called "Lead Beyond the Edge," which is an exciting sounding book because we definitely are leading beyond the edge in what we're doing. We're going beyond our comfort zones and the likes of. And at this particular point, I'm really pleased because Garvin's given me a chance to start talking. But I'm going to hand over to Garvin for a few moments so he can actually talk to Frederica. Look at that. He said he wants some airtime. We're not three seconds in, and he, I was going to take a break, break, have to do a bit of mindfulness, and he's chucked it straight back to me already. So he's saying, actually, I think what's happening here is he's going, give him a, wear him out a little bit, and then he can have a good conversation with Frederica about the real things. Because he's a lecturer, he's an educationalist, he's a practitioner, <laughs> he's, he knows coaching, he knows mentoring, he knows all the language, he studied the science. I am a bullshit artist, so I'm, not, I'm going to run out quite quick. He's going to be able to talk to Techno Babble. So, Frederica, you can actually talk very educated with him. With me, you don't know what you're going to get. But actually, one thing you're going to really, really like before we start is I force-fed myself last night half your book. I actually sat down in front of Netflix, but then I tuned out of Netflix and I tuned in to Leading Beyond the Edge. And I really, I, no, I'm not, I didn't read a whole book. I got to a page 118. So anything beyond that, I'm guessing. So up to there, I, I could actually relate to every last, no, other than your particular science, which is, you, you, you've, it seems like you've developed your own uh, framework and wiring technology to incorporate your language around a bunch of sciences in the background based on your personal experiences that makes it yours, that makes it personal to you, that makes it unique, that it's now your language, your book, your framework, your 
and, and it's something, but you've adapted the art, the science, the personality, so you can make it entertaining and consumable to me. You did that. You achieved that. Yay. I'm halfway in. Can't wait to finish the next bit. But the first bit, it was immediately resonating, was you're on a journey. It's the, the, the edge, the, leading beyond the edge. We immediately understood it to be, before you had even said it, is the edge of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Let's break through the comfort zone. Let's go on a journey to the other side. We're on that journey. We're on that journey. You're on that journey. All your future customers and readers, you're hoping go on similar journeys. Tell us about the edge, the edge of madness. Well, thank you. Oh, <laughs> or the edge of glory. Oh, that's it. <laughs> well, no. It we're going out at the edge of glory as we're going to war. <laughs> There's glory at the other side. <laughs> yes. You know, it, mean, it means a lot. And thank you so much to both of you for having me on your show. I cannot believe I am your first official joker. And uh, I take it very seriously. And I'm just uh, already, I haven't uh, laughed that much in any of the book tour interviews. So it's really, really exciting. Um, You're so laughing thank you at for us. You're having laughing me. At us. Uh, and whoa, uh, 118 means that you actually went through uh, over half already, which is really exciting. And uh, uh, you're right, it is an exciting time. And I'm really appreciating how you've um, you've picked up on the fact that it is a journey, but it is not just me on this journey. Um, there is something really, really important um, to me for the book because this is this is who I am. This is who I am on stage. So via the book, I just wanted it to be the same. Uh, we are all in this together, and I think um, like the two of you who have had this amazing like launch of the podcast, created this in this pandemic where you know we are extra, you know we are experiencing something that we've never experienced before and we are all in this together and the edge like you said why leading beyond the edge and what is the edge and the edge is like you said the box and I know, you know, some school of thoughts, they tell you, well, forget about the box. But actually, this is not how our brain work. We work better when we can are fully conscious of what it is that we then can tackle because you can only tackle something that you can see and you can feel and you can experience so we have a comfort zone so garvin you have a comfort zone george you have a comfort zone me i have a comfort zone all of you listeners and viewers you all have a comfort zone and then what happens is just like to you know imagine exactly what happens because this is what the this is what the book is underpinned by what happens is as the name says, it's very comfortable inside. We are inside, four walls around us. What's inside with us is everything that we've already achieved. So, you know, all of the goals you've already gone for, all of the dreams you've had and you've achieved, they are all around you. So like if you were picturing yourself in a kind of square box and you're like, put yourself, smiley, joker hat on, all of the little dots around you are the one things that you've done. Now, think of all of the things that you want to do. When I talk about extraordinary results, what is your extraordinary? The things that you are not done yet, you haven't done yet, you haven't experienced yet. All of those things, they are all of the dots outside of the edge. So then what happens is we start walking towards the edge and when we reach the edge, this entire panic 
floods our brain, hence why we do not want to get out and we stay inside our comfort zone. And the whole book has been put together so that I give you every single step so that you understand how your brain works, so that your brain hopes on you on the journey and then teaches you how to lead beyond that wall, that edge, so that then you access your extraordinary. This is the edge. Actually, I like, well, I'm going to jump in one second there, George. Sorry about that. Yeah, yep. You can cut me out later. But um, okay. lead, <laughs> I like the word lead because mm -hmm. at the moment you're leading yourself. You're, yes. you're the leader, but you're, the le you're leading yourself. You may not have a team, you could have a team as well, but you <laughs> have to lead, you have to go first. Now, the, I also like the, the edge. You, you perceive a cliff initially, <clears throat> excuse me, because what you're doing is that's the comfort. And actually we want to become, a, I, I want to become very uncomfortable. Because you're in your comfort zone. If you stay comfortable, you're fine. You're grand where you are. But it's only when you get uncomfortable, it's time to go from, to move. It's to go now make the box bigger and get re-comfortable yep. again. Mm -hmm. and, and therefore, now you have a bigger box and there's more, more time. Correct. To the box. It just so, grows and, with you. And it just, it's, an, it's it. a never going. So when it grows, then you have to do it again. And then it again and again and again. Very interesting concept. Because one of the things that I started to think about, you've got your box. Mm -hmm. Okay, one of the things that I've and and what's interesting about your diagram, which is the three-sided pyramid, you've still you've got a three-sided pyramid box, which I think is really quite nice. Now, one of the things that Garvin and I have had to get used to with these shows is that we're having to reveal a side of ourselves that we don't normally reveal to an audience. So, if you take the box, I'm going to sort of three-sided pyramid type thing, and move one of the sides down, mm -hmm. you're then revealing your inner self to the outside world. Now, inside the box, you're just thinking about your own individualistic way of thinking. Once that side goes down and the world can look in, you then have to adapt to the fact that you've now got an audience and you're, you're trying to either, if you, it depends if you're selfish, you're trying to pull that back up or you start to then perform for what your audience <coughs> needs. And I had an interesting experience last night because I was doing, I'm on a counselling course. I felt too tired to actually be the counsellor. So I decided to play act a character. And, and this time around, I played an old man who was 82 living at home. And I went through and I honestly went, wow, this is really interesting because I now feel comfortable and confident enough now to act out another person, another character, another position, and uh, which, which I think in life we, we find we, we are taking on roles. Garvin and I are talking about roles within our academy. And what we're starting to realize is that we have to work out what is that role? Do we script that role? Which I think also comes back to your framework. We like frameworks. We're very much into frameworks. And those things become very important because I, my, I have a sister that's an artist and so does Garvin. Both of us have artists in our family. Each of them uses a canvas, which is normally square, very blocky. But, but how they imagine that world within it and add depth to what is effectively a 2D plane is they're actually pushing their box backwards into a 3D environment. So it's fascinating just to see how all these different people connect things and what you're doing in how you're connecting to that same kind of idea of the box. Moving the box and lowering out the side mm -hmm. so that you can now see beyond the edge. It's not just about being on the edge, it's actually seeing and perceiving where that edge actually is. Is that about right? Yeah, no, it, like it is, no. And you, you know, no, it is, isn't it? It's um, it, like I wanted, you actually, you actually used, um, Garvin had slightly introduced it as part of, you know, that there is a framework and that, you know, George, you uh, mentioned it and, and 
I want it to be, well, different. Like, you know, like Garvin said, you're very unique to me. Um, but people say, do you know that diagram that um, it's usually a, it's a two part one, you know, at the top, it says like uh, what you think success is. And then like, you know, there's like a, a white line. And then at the bottom, it says what success is actually is. And then someone goes like this, do you know, do you know that one? And I want yeah. to actually say, which I, I, I do say in the intro of the book, I want to suggest a third way because it does not have to be that mess, which actually is really scary. When you look at that, you're like, mm, yeah, not sure I'm going to go there. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're kind of retreating to your box. And this is where my third way is that instead of being like this, it's this multidimensional three you know, like three sides. So it's a triangle mm -hmm. framework. Um, and inside it's the three different circuits. And then inside the three, then each three divided. So all in all, you have actually 12 parts. Um, and I think it's it becomes much more focused and structured um, and really helps and, you know, and, and takes you away from, like, it does not have to be messy. It can be a structured I'm, path, which I'm going to jump idea. in because... Mm -hmm. Not well. It's you're chucking an awful lot of images into my mind. Now our minds are warped minds. So when you're talking in your language, there's I don't know if you've ever read Douglas Adams and the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And there's a little fish in there called the Babel fish, and it translates into every language. So we're in the language of film at the moment. You're in the language of possibly change management and transformation. So when you think you're saying one thing, we're picking up something else. You mentioned framework, and we're thinking the Matrix. You mentioned visualize. Actually, I know in the book it mentions visualization. We had a show a couple of weeks ago, and we said. If you you can believe, you mentioned it in your book as well. Believe it first, then go do it. Then make it real, materialize it, manifest it. But you, your brain doesn't know the difference between reality and the dream world. Therefore, mm -hmm. we can actually in, all have already lived the future in the present. We've got past memories of the future by going on the journey of that of those goals and plans and dreams that you're talking about and believing we have to believe them first. We're the first believer. If we can believe it, we can convince others. And if we can see it and visualize it in our own mindset, it's already there. It already exists in a different time frame. We just have to take those steps to it. And what I liked about your book all the way up to the halfway point was I start to see this language of the act and do it, believe it and see it, visualize it. And your brain doesn't know, just step into it step into that journey and now we're in the we're in the matrix we're taking control of the framework and our mind doesn't know the difference between reality and dream world and it's all the same we can live it we can dream it we can enjoy every moment it doesn't even have to exist no uh you know this is actually this is actually uh not my favorite because actually in the book i mean I, what you see is what you get with me i obviously genuinely love what I do. <laughs> there is this moment, um, like I live for that moment. Um, when I'm on stage and even, you know, now virtually we can all, you know, it's been happening also. But there is this moment when suddenly your audience starts believing and there's like this shift and the eyes are starting to, you know, they are like sparkling that little bit more. There is um, there's a, a blush of rosy cheeks that's happening because of an influx of blood. There is this like shift into a posture. And that moment, I live for it. And the book for me is a way to reach so many people so that they live 
they access this moment because from that moment on they can go and like you said um one of the one of the main thing is that our brain does not know the difference okay so some some of you 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 may be like am i hearing you know garvin right did he say the brain does not do the difference between the real and the imaginary yeah you are absolutely right it's actually true it sounds unreal sometimes you have to listen to it several times when you first hear it um this was discovered in 1960 uh, by maxwell maltz and um he wrote about it in a book called uh, psychocybernetics which actually many people would not have heard of except that all of his teachings are used by all of the personal development like gurus these days and they kind of forget to mention his name and we have learned so much from him um, and where we when we discovered that from the brain like you know like Garvin said you can actually create your deja vu you can see it in your mind and then next thing you know when it's happening you feel like a deja vu but it's because you had experienced it before yeah I, absolutely because i'm i'm sort of sitting there kind of going i mean i am as a lecturer usually with a smaller group of people about 15 to 20 people one of the things that you you discover as an educationist is that cognitive process it's when they've recognized something and and it's like the light bulb goes on yeah. so that idea of the light bulb going on you kind of go oh now i understand you kind of go right now i know that you've, you you fully understand and comprehend what i'm actually trying to to say to you and they can then they can own that they now suddenly can own it It becomes their real thing but what we were talking about there we we, we kind of like that idea because we're, we're looking at parallel universes and all kinds of crazy things at the moment and uh showering sh- uh, as a uh, cat and all that kind of stuff is it dead or is it alive and has showed showed showing as is it in it? the box is so, it out of the box is it, is it a the box, to go yeah. on the journey <laughs> <laughs> and again, that's isn't that interesting. That it's actually the box again. It's it's the box. It's only when we look inside the box do we know whether or not it's one or the other. And and until we have that anticipation, or until we actually open it up and realise what's going on, then that's the scary bit. And normally, what happens with most people is their fear prevents them from opening the box because their imagination can create all kinds of horrors and fears about opening that box. It's like the jack in the box. Sometimes when the box is opened up, the the thing that's springs up at you is is the nightmare i i have a two-year-old's uh, grandson he's two year olds today oh. and he we sent him a little jack in a box and what was interesting was he wound it up and he could hear the tunes going and then he went he went because the thing was going to jump out he knew when it was going to happen he anticipated it and you could see it within his but it's all it's, again these are the stories in the boxes and what's real and what's not real becomes a very important thing and i think although you're saying that it's only discovered in the 1960s i think a lot of religions will actually show that they've we've known this throughout the the whole concept of mankind and there comes a point where i think science is now reaching that point where it's kind of going back to the idea there's something out there that we didn't realize and we need to explore that from a scientific perspective i think which is quite good but yeah this idea of is this uh is this reality or is this a hologram is this an illusion are we in a matrix of some nature those ideas are becoming stronger and stronger I'm going to jump in for a second because I'm going to bring it back to the real world. I I loved your little story because you actually reiterated there about when you go up on stage. And before you go on stage, you might have a bit of... It's like Actually, the, the great thing here is we're talking about the stage of life as well. And one of our shows was about getting out of the shadows and into the light. And, and the light in question was, was stepping onto the stage. It's, this is, we have another show called The Story of You. This is about 
you know, everybody, the whole journey of your life is actually your journey. If you're not there, it doesn't matter. If you are there, it's who you interact with. It's the journey you go on and how exciting that story will be. If you stay in a room in a box and don't go outside, your imagination might be great and strong. It can create certain worlds and visions, but none of it is actually real. You can, you can manifest a lot, but don't you step out and actually meet other people? It's not just your audience, it's your suppliers, your customer, your audience, your friends, your relationships. It's that that's what enriches our lives and makes the story of you an interesting one to read. Now, reading your story, or which you've mapped your, your journey of job and career over life and, 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 and manifestation of book through the pandemic, it's, it's, you're making an awful lot of your dreams more real so other people understand it, that they can then associate with it and go, I have a story in me. I can, Frederick has done it. She's given us a pathway. We can go on a similar journey. It doesn't need to go the same depth or width or our, our successes. Now, what, actually, one thing that that's, I'm getting to it now, it's you were talking about the framework to get you to your goals and you can then get to your new level of comfort. And then when you get uncomfortable again, you can go on a new journey and again reapply the framework. We, we are using the language of, of mountains and molehills. What we have in front of us is Mount Everest, but we know it's actually just a couple of thousand molehills put together in a pile, and they're all bite-sized chunks of micro-successes that if we do one at a time, we'll find ourselves on the top of Mount Everest before we know it, but if we look up, we'll never start. So it's the just, to, as you said, lead beyond the edge, step out of your comfort zone, go on a journey of baby successes, and, and before you know it, you're already doing it, you're already living it. And so we love the language. It's your language. Other people have their own names for it. But it's a great thing to say is you're showing the way. You're, you're leading from the edge. You're saying you're doing it for yourself. Follow me. Do what you want to do for yourselves. It can be big. It can be small. It can just be going to the shops and back during a pandemic. So one of the things I thought was quite interesting was the, the acceptance stage that you were talking about, where you were talking about stop, sleep, and scribe and Garvin was saying earlier on that's me because I like I've been writing all the way through the pandemic just keeping a journal because we've been doing the Julian Cameron uh, the artist way but the, I do think that, that the accept and that's the idea of stopping and slowing things down to give yourself time to 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 go through a process where where you're making sense of what's actually going on is is very important. Do you want to explain your concepts of those? Yeah, I, I, well, actually, uh, in the book, I share the analogy of, um, and I know this is something that you know we haven't been able to do in a while, but I know that most people will be able to relate. Uh, when we are in the plane, and when the plane goes up, and we start, uh, you know, when we start feeling our ears, and this is exactly what I mean. This is when, you know, you're like, you're not panicking about it. You just know, oh, I'm just reaching a new level of altitude. And you know that and you accept that. And then next thing you know, off you are. Then, you know, it just disappears and you are great. This is the same. So this is when you reach that next level, that's your new level of altitude. And you need to accept and pause and to give the time to everything, your brain, your mind, your brain, everything, your body, your spirit to accept. Uh, because this is that new altitude, which I think the, you know, I mean, even some people get it in, um, 
actually really like you know those really really tall buildings in the lifts in the elevators you you know you can get it so it's like it's it's as yeah. fast as it can happen and our brain is so good that it also can happen that fast um because this is you know like you said um actually well it's like it's so uh, it's so amazing and i feel really blessed having the two of you read it and uh, as we are obviously we said you know we are recording this and then um it'll be out oh you know. well i'm going to read the next hundred pages <laughs> i will i will definitely yeah yeah he's and, reached the point of no return you know but it's uh, well i finger crossed but uh, i'm guessing not you know it's just hopefully it's going to com- continue building um but you know something else also that you know you've asked me about is that um i i do walk the the talk and I do lead by example and this is something that's very much me um and it, it feels very special when you know this pandemic uh when it happened for a stage speaker um who owns her own business uh this was pretty close to you know one of the most horrific thing that could happen mm-hmm. <laughs> like we you know within 10 days losing all of the contracts all of the events being cancelled and this you know going on for months and months and and i do not only teach you know what i do i believe in it i live by it and i lead by example so this is really important to me that i wanted to you know do it because i feel i feel there's incredible strength in learning from someone who has gone through challenges and has found a way to make it work has found a system using the science to prove how every single thing is working and how you know along the journey you can also then build your own path and like you said your extraordinary results can be whatever is your extraordinary it you know it doesn't mean so i give a lot of stories which is quite unusual for a business book but this was me so i wanted it i know at times the narrative is incredibly intimate um i just wanted to really connect with my readers so i just put like i said actually i poured my heart and my brain in the book and i really believe i did no actually well i'm gonna jump in again george for a second because yep. i'm resonating okay. i'm resonating with frederica here but again what i'm hearing and what's reminding in my personal story is is you you're, you're walking the walk you talk to, i'm walking the walk i'm talking to talk but i've never done it so i'm actually have moved into an industry in the film industry, the film education industry. From a, from I'm, an, I'm I was previously an accountant, but what I said was that was by accident. That was I was the accidental accountant for thirty years. That was never me. I never knew who I was. I found George, and I realised I should be in the film education industry because I think it's more creative. And that's the and the pandemic was that. That's the weird thing. The pandemic was. That stop. You couldn't stop yourself before because you're on a roller coaster ride of of bills and and momentum that you were in silos of jobs and careers that you couldn't actually back out of. You it, it take a massive effort to back out of. So then all of a sudden the universe said, "But it stuck." It the universe called a stop and stopped everything. Now it says, "What are you doing?" Because now you're not doing the career we're doing. What so you now have this one time in your life to go? What if you could do anything? Would you like to be doing? Because you're doing nothing anyway. Start doing the thing you like. You've got this amount of life left. <clears throat> Therefore, if you now and the, the pandemic is also saying 
value life, value time, value where you are, you're in the now. It's the power of now. Because you can make a decision now that will affect the rest of your life. You can draw on the past, but going forward, be mindful of where you are now, you're in a pandemic. You can get caught up on the fact what that means, or you can say, this is the best opportunity we're ever going to have to try something new, to do the tick list you put off for years. Yours included a book. It actually gave you the opportunity. The universe says, here's a year and a half, go off and do the book. Now you have no excuse. We're on a journey of a book as well. We, we just said we, we'll do a book because we can do a book. It's not going to necessarily be a bestseller. Now, we'll do your positive and go, it's going to be a New York book bestseller, because we can dream it, we can believe it. Now, the customers have to line up and prove it. But apart from that, you can, cre you can create the book, you can publish it, you can put it out there, you can write it. Is it a good book? Is it an interesting one? Will it entertain? Will people be interested? Yours definitely is going to be a bestseller. Ours, we're going to take lessons from you. We'll be slightly behind. We're going to go, do what, do what Frederica's doing. Follow the lead beyond the edge. Now, the pandemic has, is an opportunity. It was a stop for the world, for the planet. And an awful lot of people, if you take away the bad that was in there, there was a hell of a lot of good, more time with your family, a chance to change careers, a, a chance to refocus on what's important in, in family, friends and life and time. And then also to try and go on that journey of something new and do what you are afraid of most because life can be taken away in a heartbeat. So what, why bother being afraid of it? Embrace it. What's important, I think, is that uh, my, my journey has been slightly different, uh, that I started off and I had the dream of becoming a filmmaker, which I did become. I, I've had a long journey in that. But as life sort of throws in a few spanners, the journeys went off kilter slightly, and I became an educationist in filmmaking. And then I got to a certain point where my body decided to stop and I had to accept where I was at that particular point in time. And I, it was not sleep, but I had to basically stop and stop that chitter chatter box inside the head because that was causing me all kinds of issues. But I think it also indicated to me, and I think a lot of people would get this, is that you, you know when you have reached, you've, you've either gone too far off the track, and Gavin doesn't like the track, but you've gone too far off the timeline that you're setting yourself, or you feel that your purpose is, and you're, you're, you're being gently nudged to get back on that, that track. Now, the other thing that's also very important is that if we enjoy what we're doing now, but see it as the stepping stone to the next thing we're doing, we've got an idea of where we want to go and we're nudging it forward, but there's only so much we can do now because it's a big thing. We just gently work at it. Nothing is wasted. That's something I think that we've learned mm -hmm. on life is nothing is ever wasted. We, are, we, we actually gather things around us and we may not understand the purpose of the thing that we've just picked up. But somewhere along the line, the reason we've picked that up maybe years ago will suddenly become relevant later on. It's one of those little things. There was an opportunity. You picked it up. You've added it to your collection of tools. And later on, you're going on. So there's because I know a lot of people kind of they want to get there so quickly and you kind of go. But, but it's, it's not it's not about being there. It's about it's, getting there. Yeah. It's the journey of trying to get there and enjoying that journey and really appreciating what, what, what is happening to you as you go along that journey. Because each one of us has a different character, each one of us has a different personality, and each one of us has a very unique story that we have to tell. Which is what I really liked about what you're talking about, your stories. Because the story element is the key. If we don't understand our own story, 
we can't talk about it. And I think the key thing is that we need to talk. That's why humans can talk. We're, we're talking beings. And that's the conversation that we're trying to set up with other people. And, and you know, storytelling, I mean, uh, you know, we can, we can think back all the way back to cavemen around the campfire. Um, storytelling is, is incredibly powerful. And it's just, you know, over the last few years, that's thanks to the brain scans and the fMRI machines, we actually are able to like scientifically prove something that we've known for years, decades, centuries, that, you know, storytelling is incredibly powerful for the brain. And because we've actually proven scientifically that storytelling enhances and change like has the power to shape your brain because it changes your belief your attitudes your behaviors which is like which is incredible when you think about it and it's because as soon as we start listening to a story we engage both rational and emotional parts of the brain and the brain being more engaged we are more engaged and when our brain gets more engaged we learn better we experience more we just feel it more it's just it's just all around more powerful powerful um which is why and it's you know it's interesting actually because um i just uh, I, um when i started and um some people started you know reading the draft and um there were you know a couple of people that said who you know are you sure like you know this is this is quite personal uh, this is a business book and i never felt it i was just like Absolutely, a hundred percent. Yes, it's a business book, and I am going to do every single thing that I can to make sure that my readers are deeply experiencing it, so that they really hope on the path. And to do that, it means that if sometimes I'm vulnerable, then I will be vulnerable because you know I wrote it for my readers for that moment. You know, igniting the moment where we believe that ignite our extraordinary and. I think stories, you know, like George said, it's just, it's everything. It's, we connect with stories. So never once I thought, no, not a good idea. Just, you know, just or be vulnerable. I think lots of things happen when we are vulnerable. Now, I'm going to jump in because, now I'm not, I don't, don't take this as a criticism. It's actually the opposite way around. It's going, I don't think it's a business book. I think it's actually a life book. I, it, the, I, the business of you, the business. I'm a person. I'm halfway through. And I'm going, I don't need to grow under a business head. And I need to grow. That's just one of the things. It's like um, Tim Robbins or Tom, was it Tom? Tony, Tony Robbins or whatever his name is. I don't even know his name. I can't remember his name. But there's five things. It's health, wealth, mind, finance. You know, it's, it's all the above. It's so far... You don't need to say it's a business book. What I've read, it can it can be applied to business. It can be applied to personal. It can be applied to weight uh, control. Because you're saying what it is is up to the individual to go. My goals are my uncomfortable zone is in this space. It's under the health. I I want to get you know healthier. I want to get wealthier. I want to get wiser. I want to learn more, earn more. It it doesn't matter what the goal is. The language is the same. The framework can be applied. It stop. Think, act, do, dream. It you know it can be you. It can call it a business that book all day long because that's just a marketplace. Correct. But the person that buys it is an individual. <laughs> they they have a life. They have a family. They have relations. And the business is it's just one element of what they do. And anything anything they apply to themselves will only be reflected in their outer life uh, streams of when they go home from the office. It's how they act with the kids, with the with the spouse, with their friends and family. So I don't think it's you know one silo of any. 
anything, it's interchangeable across the, the customer base of going, how you want to use this is apply it to you, apply it to your box, your zone, your uncomfortableness, and lead from the edge, beyond the edge of your zone. And that it can be any type of zone. So I feel, don't underestimate the power of the marketplace there. It's a business book for business people that want to buy it. It's a, it's a, it's a coaching book for the, for the resident. It's, I would even get my 16-year-old daughter to read it because if she can read and she can understand, I'm going, this is you. Grow. You can be anything you want to be. And especially if you have a process and a framework which gives you a way to follow. So I'd be going as soon as they can read and understand enough of that language, and you don't need to understand the techno babble because it's consumable without the science. You're just letting the science be there to reinforce those that want to question whether they go on that journey and apply your framework, will it work? And you're saying, I've done the science, it will work, because you're, it's this neuroplasticity, what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. you got, actually, you've got to be your own DIY electrician and rewire those, those, those neurons or whatever it is. And so you have to be an electrician to the brain. And if you can be, you can, do, you can achieve anything. And you'll achieve it if you believe it. But you've got a framework. And Frederica, you've got a framework. Let the, let the customer decide what they're using it for. I, I love that. I think, no, I, think, I don't take I think, it as a criticism at all. Uh, yeah. No, because, you know, this is, like you said, this is just the way they put the book into a box. Uh, I When I wrote it, I said, the book is for anyone with a brain <laughs> who wants... Or half to, a brain. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who wants to lead beyond the edge um you know and it's um like it means a lot to say you know to say that uh, like you said i've tried to incorporate stories both personal and professional and um because sometimes you get um corporate people you know like like sometimes i have to actually say you know your brain does not change when you go from the office to home um uh, it is still your brain um so there's a lot of things you know that happens and um and particularly i think you know our boundaries have changed quite a lot with this pandemic. Uh, I mean, like you know, many of us, uh, like over here, you know, we've been confined for like we're going on to our twelfth month uh, and of you know not be not being out there. Um, so out there is also could be more like hmm, out there, out there, where out there, and uh, but it's been way well, out there, I always know, being out there. <laughs> but it's you know it's been also those boundaries. So no, I, I appreciate that, um, and I think I think teenagers like I like I would have. Well, so funny enough, I would have said, yes, that would have been great to learn that, but actually I would not change my path at all because if I would change anything in my past, then the three of us would not be here, right here, right now doing this. So everything had to happen exactly the same way that it happened. But the, you know, like I, like I could see the books on, on library shelves at universities and um, because I, I think the earliest people can do it. Now, the good news is, which I, I do say straight away, is that because I know it's a myth when we are adults and, you know, our brain cannot change anymore. It's all set. So thank goodness this is not true. And I, I blast through the myth really quickly in the beginning of 
of the book um, so that as like you said we can use neuroplasticity which is our amazing incredible ability to change and rewire our brain uh, Garvin I love that be the electrician up, up there and you know do your do your wiring and we yes we absolutely can do this and we can do this all the way up to our bed death um, it never changed we've actually been approving it to the science um, it was a very old belief you know that as soon as you achieved you know adult your adult brain would not change anymore so and this is why we actually can physically create that path in the brain and then you know activate it and then boom do it <laughs> one of the things i found that's quite interesting is that you've got a little thing that says about adopting these ideas of uh, figuring things out framing things and feeling things now one of, you mentioned their uh, youngsters uh, quite often it's the old people that are considered to be the most stuck and rigid but what I've actually discovered through teaching youngsters is quite often they're the ones that are very stuck and rigid because they find it very hard sometimes to adapt and, and, and break outside their box. Uh, and, they, they, they're, and they're actually quite scared. And what you're having to try and do is encourage them to, to, to nurture them to actually sometimes engage in the work that we're asking us to do, to act those things out. And if they put into some kind of framework and, and see the results of what they're doing, they can actually start to expect, as you've got in your ideas, that, that, that there will be some kind of results. Now, we, we do a kind of a reflective practice where you kind of plan something, you put it into action, you then review it, and then you take your learnings from that and put it back into it. So it's a kind of rotational type thing. And I think that's actually quite good in, in what you're suggesting people to do. But one of the key things, especially as an educationist, that I found was that if if nobody wanted to go to the water that was being offered to them, you couldn't do anything. And, and, and that was their free will. They were stuck. They were stuck. You could give them as much as you wanted to, but if they weren't prepared to adapt and take on a new way of looking at things, then, then there was nothing you could do. That was, it was, and at times, I think there's, there's other teachings that you find that um, when you have that situation, it's not to actually worry about it. It's not to get uptight about it. It's, it's actually sometimes a case of, well, it's been offered to you. We now need to walk away and go in another direction. And it's there if you want to take it. We're not going to force you. Uh, it, it, there's some great ideas. And I think that's what's really good. It's, now, it's encouraging people to learn how to adapt to the new environment. And that's what we've all tried to do. We, in this pandemic, we found that we have, have suddenly found, a bit like the Earth, the earth during that, that time got a chance to renew itself. We were being told, in your words, to stop. We couldn't, we couldn't carry on doing what we were doing. We, we were in now inside our box. We had to stay at home, wash our hands, keep the masks on. We had to do things that we, we were uncomfortable to do. But if we found that we could adapt to the situation, we could find that there's a way forward. And then we, then we suddenly realized that we had time to do other things that we've been putting off. And I think that became a kind of key thing that we were starting to realize that that actually our new edge was was closest to us than we thought. And we could actually sort of just reach out and try and experiment with, with a few bits and pieces. And I love the fact that you, you play music and you cook. And I think that's that's quite interesting because for me, music during that time when I left the college, when I'd actually reached a point where I was forced to stop. I began to realize that music was something that could help me go out. It would stop me thinking in, in, the, in the traditional way, and I can start to feel the music coming out. So tell us a little bit about your, your music and your piano playing and all, all those sort of things and the cookery, the creative side of it and how that's helped you with what you're doing in your journey. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, it's helping me tremendously. I think all of my business ideas have been achieved either while playing or baking or cooking. (laughs) Very rarely. uh, Actually, I don't even, like I said, I don't even sit down at my desk with like a a blank paper and a pen and then go business ideas. Uh, I don't do this because I think years ago I realized "Mm, that's just not working. (laughs) But I know a lot of people do it and they go, uh, how? No, no, no. So yes, uh, I I love cooking and baking. Um, both. Uh, I particularly love baking because I can really use my creativity. Um, in the in the street in our estate here, we uh, um, I've done quite a lot of the birthday cakes uh, from the kids as they are growing up. It's uh, it's also we have a special relationship, uh, you know, like I, making them year on year and and um, just really releasing that creativity, which is really important for the brain. And then um, music, yes, uh, both my husband and I actually play piano. Um, we have a, a baby grand piano. Um, which is a family heirloom and means a lot to us. And uh, I actually teach uh, kids. Um, so again, it started in the street. Um, and through the pandemic, um, uh, most of them have actually continued. And it's just been amazing uh, seeing how they've adapted. So to use your, you know, adapted to it uh, and learning, like even, you know, as, as young as like five year old, you know, across the screen and, uh, and you know taking them through the lesson and you know each each having their curriculum and um music is really impactful for the brain um very like we've learned so much um i actually just you know looping to something that because uh, it's kind of a, a short a short science so we have the time to you know to say to something that um garvin was mentioning quite a few minutes ago because this is going so fast uh, you know we <laughs> talked about the real and the imaginary there is this fantastic study uh, that just to show you how amazing because actually it's also going to look you know loop to us and that neuroplasticity um, there's this study at Harvard Medical School where um, they had two groups uh, group A um, were asked uh, on the piano uh, just to learn what's called a five finger scale so it's, it's just you just start at uh, C and you go C C, D, E, F, G. So C, D, E, F, G, C, D, E, F, G. And they were asked to learn how to do this. And then group B were asked to think of doing C, D, E, F, G, C, D, E, F, G. And obviously they took the scans before and then they took the scans after. And then this is how amazing it is. In both groups, the wiring happened of the new path creating of learning this C, D, E, F, G. Whether you were the group who physically were at the piano doing it or the group who in their head were thinking mm. C, D, E, F, G, C, D, E, F, G. The path actually were created in all brains. I mean, it's not like exceptional, isn't it? It's just... I love it. <laughs> you, you found, you've actually drawn attention to the perfect cheat and I'm actually applying it. I'm going, I'm a film production executive. I, I'm a film producer. I'm a film director that has never made a film. And in my head, I'm Steven Spielberg. I'm going, yes, I am. Yes, I am. I'm not going to bother with the training, the, pra- the theoretical I, or the practical. I'm going, I'm doing it 
pure mind power. I'm just doing a pure will. I know I'm already there because I've done your little story of visualization, manifestation, fooled my brain into believing I'm at the living last 30 years doing it. Therefore, it's fine when I get there. It won't be a shock to me. I'm Steven Spielberg incarnate. I love the piano one because I actually, I remember that little story from last night when I was reading it. And the reason I remember it was my son is learning piano. And he's in this room with his, I don't know, with some, he has an electric piano of some description, but he's literally learning a song in a day because he's starting to like it. Mm-hmm. And he, I, I, he's doing it on his mobile phone. And I'm going, and he's great. He's got a great retentive memory and he's, so he's not. He's looking at the phone, and they see the little dots going up and down, and he's planting it in his head, and then he just goes off and plays it because he's remembered the order, and and he's just then applying it practically afterwards. Now, for me on filmmaking, I'm a bit fur. I'm not going to necessarily make a film in the sense of do the camera work or the audio or this, but the making in my story and George's story is we're going to make it happen. We're going to be the showrunner. We're going to materialize all the bits that need to be in place. And we know what all the parts are because we've visualized it umpteen times. George would have done it in the past. I wouldn't have. But listening to him over the last couple of years, I can visualize every element from his scribing and storytelling as to what every role is, what everyone's doing. It doesn't matter what the story is. There's actors. There's there's some of the actors are going to be sort of saying lines. Doesn't matter what the line is. No. You know no, you can crystallize all this if you just put the project in the right order, in a right framework. It can happen, and anyone can make it happen. Anyone can make their dreams come true. But the only way they can make their dreams come true is by going, leading themselves beyond their comfort zone, beyond the edge, taking the first step. And the first step is a success. It doesn't need to fulfill all the way. I do believe. Every day, every day you turn up, you put on your dancing shoes, you put on your clothes, you go to the door and you, and you embrace the fact you're, fiz- you're growing as opposed to you're fixed. That's that pattern interrupt. The pattern has been interrupted. The pattern is the fixed. If you're now going, I don't know what the pattern looks like. I know what the new pattern looks like. You're growing and you, you won't stop growing till you, you, till you, re, till you re-establish a new pattern. So, like, I love what you're saying there, even with the piano. And as I said, I'm going to try and apply it in my daily life. I'm going to get the son to read your book now as well. He should be Chopin in the next two months, I reckon. I think what, what's very interesting there is that um, Garvin says that uh, he, he can imagine himself as being Steven Spielberg. But if he hadn't picked up the camera and put the microphone on it, we wouldn't have recorded 70 shows. We wouldn't so he's be already doing it. He just doesn't realise it. Yeah, you're actually doing it. Not only has he picked up the camera, put the microphone on, he's got Audacity going, he actually set up the lights around him at the moment, and he goes through a whole procedure, which is the filmmaking technique, every time we do this. But he's become so... It's, it's so inbuilt he's so, uh, that, that he doesn't even think about it. He's reached that point of competency now. He doesn't even think about it. He's he's just doing it. He's going into the place. He can he can now think about all the other things. Now, the one on. thing George has not added in there is I don't think about all of that. And the one thing I should think about is there's someone else in the room, Garvin. Shut up. Let the Frederikas talk. Let the George have a say. It's not the Garvin show. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the music thing as well because I'm, I'm going to go back to the music thing because I, I first started to learn how to play the piano when I was about seven or eight. My mum had a piano. And then I couldn't quite figure things out. And at 16, I had another crack at it. And again, I got my grade one at it. And, and I still couldn't work things out. 
again, in the last six years, I've said I've learned to play the violin. I, somebody told me I couldn't play the violin. I was too old. And I went, you want to bet? And I've learned to play yeah. the violin. And uh, I, I find it fascinating. I've now found that I'm, I'm, I'm moving from ideas on the violin to the keyboard I'm without even thinking about it. I'm now picking up stuff off YouTube, and I'm doing chord. I suddenly found chord progressions. I, I I was playing inside the chapel, playing the violin, music and stuff, and I was suddenly asked to do it on my own. I realised the violin on its own is no good, and I had the courage to step out and say, right, I'm going to play the organ. And I found the chord progressions worked really well, and I could get the little tune here, and I was playing the. And the organist would say, I didn't know you could play the organ. I said, well, I, I couldn't last week, but this week I, I can because I've, I've learned some little tricks. And I showed her that little trick. She went, I've been doing that for 40 years and I never knew how to do that. And it suddenly transformed. So you find that you're picking things up left, right. And so if you're open to the possibility and you and you just find that you're you're picking these things up and Garvin's doing that and he's 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 writing a book he's become a filmmaker it's not it's not a fantasy it's not a dream he's actually doing it he's doing all those things he's adopted those ideas he's adopted the framework he's figured things out and he's feeling his way forward which is absolutely wonderful and he's now acting he's engaging and he expects something to happen through that process that we're going through. I'm just paraphrasing your book here. <laughs> no, this, I mean, this is, this is really good. This is when our future becomes our present, which I think is what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yep. We're making it real. Actually, I'm going to pull it back in because we started this whole conversation, not to pull it back in. It's, we asked Frederica to give us a couple of buzzwords to talk about because we don't we don't know what to talk about at the best of times. <laughs> Haven't a clue. And we're saying we better start this show shortly. Now, when we start the show, it's well, actually I'm watching her now. And the great thing is she's got a great presence, laughing, smiling. And she said her little Twitter, Twitter handle, Irish, smi Irish smiley. You know, sir. So it fits. Fits, fits your personality without knowing any more about you than, than, than the hour we're spending now. It's it's like, like I think Frederica is like a person you've known all your life. It's one of those, I do believe, it's, it's, it's like those souls. You recognize a friend immediately. You recognize someone you can get on immediately. Because so, other people, they haven't opened their mouth and they're already grating. You don't want to know them. I think in previous lives, these souls were reincarnated in previous lives and they met each other and they hated each other. They had fights. And therefore, those souls, when you, in this reincarnation, recognize each other again immediately as you were a friend or you were a foe. And when, and Definitely, we probably met in previous lives. You were a friend. You weren't a foe. Now, we'll work on the foe bit for the future. We, you may not be a friend in the future. Not too sure yet. But Twitter handle Irish Smiley. It's the laughing. It's the, you, you, you mentioned about, look, we took our name as being the 52 Jokers Wild. We're just, the Joker was more the avatar in the sense of we're, we're throwing away the suit. We're saying we can be anything we want to be. We can. We don't know what that role looks like yet. We, we are choosing it in the film industry. You're, you went on your journey of maybe in the coaching and transformation industries and everything from piano playing to, 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 to cookery. You're, it's, it's, these are your creative outlets. And you bring them, you use them as your mindfulness time to come up with your plans for world domination in your business. So, so I do resonate <laughs> with that as well. If you ask me to go to work with a blank page and start coming up with all the strategies and all the rest of it, 
you're going to come up with next to nothing because you're being asked to do it there and then. Guaranteed, if you're raking leaves in the garden or making a cake, you're not going to be able to turn off that flow because you've quieted the chatterbox, you're in the mindful zone, and your brain is just going to tap into the universe, and every idea under the sun is just going to sort of want to push that door down. You've got to now go, not everything, it's what in what order, given your limited time resource. Because you can be, you can conquer the planet, you can be Elon Musk, or you might just be quite happy to play the baby grand piano in, in, in Albert Hall. So you don't need to do everything, but do have those targets. And I like, you know, what's that gonna do with Irish Smiley? I don't know. But I think, I had to mention it because you told me, and I say, it's good to see, it's one thing I said is, is make them laugh comes to mind. And it, that means people are enjoying themselves. And I, I think you have that effect on people and your audiences. You make them laugh. You, I make them cry, you make them laugh. <laughs> well, thank you. No, that was very, thank you so much, Gavin. Uh, you know, I just, this Irish smiley, um, it's actually my nickname uh, given to me by my husband 20 years ago, uh, this month actually, just next week, 20 years ago. Um, and uh, Frederick Murphy does not fit as a Twitter handle. And what? I wasn't ready to just drop a letter like uh, yeah. Twitter actually told me years ago. I was like, no, that doesn't stick, work for and stick me. Stick a seven in <laughs> at the end. <laughs> so I just thought I'd use Irish Smiley. Um, and usually people said, you know, rather quickly, notice why. Um, it's, you know, the two like the name of your podcast and but this is actually really profound because laughing and smiling is really important to the brain um and it does something so the beauty of a smile uh, what i do love about it is that it works both ways uh, and I think uh, the Buddhist uh, Zen master, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, said it like, he, I, I think when he says it, it's just, it actually, it's so meaningful and the science, you know, backed it up. He actually, um, how did he say? He said, sometimes the, sometimes your joy is the source of your smile, but sometimes the smile is the source of your joy. And mm -hmm. this is this is actually what happens with laughing, laughing and laughter and smiling. Um, it starts working for us, but then it works with the people that we work, you know, we do. So when you smile, the brain uh, floats uh, your brain with, uh, I, I like to say, like a wonderful cocktail of uh, uh, neurotransmitters and neuromodulators and all of those kind of big names, basically great cocktails of chemists, chemicals, uh, flooding our brain and it's just making us feel better um, it makes us feel better it makes our body feels better because actually one of those uh, chemicals is our endorphins which actually um, are used as a mild pain you know reliever when it's happening another one of those is dopamine and dopamine is used as a reward system so it's really like you know really really good and uh, you also get serotonin which is a, a mild antidepressor so all of this happens when the brain picks up a smile and then what happens is when you see that i'm smiling at you your brain gets flooded with endorphins, dopamine, serotonin, and then see how it works both ways. And I think, you know, the two of you find uh, joy and laughter through the pandemic, built this amazing podcast from zero. Um, now, like you said, 70 episodes in, still going strong. And that's how, but that's powerful, isn't it? No, I, actually, uh, George, I should be giving George more time, but 
I, I just no, you, fine. you keep on giving me imagery because I'm a, I think more in pictures and like I said even using the word like um, smile immediately I'm thinking smile and the whole world smiles with you and that's what you just said in techno scientific babble it's infectious you smile the drugs are they're released by the, the brain and the body and la 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 and actually it's infectious smiling is infectious the next person start beside you will start smiling too and that then reminds me of make them laugh you know and and that and that's what you know that's what you're meant to do as well is is Smile, and the whole world smiles with you. Make them laugh, and that's what the game is. It becomes infectious. So Irish smiley is, you had at the very beginning of your sentence there, laughing. And that's what it's saying. Smile, and the whole world smiles with you. Make them laugh. Don't make them cry. It's an, and it's infectious, and everybody is lifted. So we can we, we talked in one of our shows before, like there's not a lot of people around, and yeah, just say hello, and it's a it's all the negative, the downtrodden. The, did you hear this and and that and it's death and doom and gloom? Whereas if it had it been just a joke or a smile or something good, it lifts everybody. It's every the whole mood lifts, and we all we all go out to play. We all go out to to have a good time in the pub when we could. We don't, didn't go out to hear the bad news. We went out to escape it. So it's it's I, I love the the science as you said in the background backs it up. We all feel better. We can use these you know chemicals within ourselves to actually physically get better because if we can smile and be happy a happy person their body will repair faster than a person that is is nearly making themselves sick by thinking about the negatives and because if you start thinking fear and negative anxiety stress it starts on, it starts going on that loop and again this brings us back to your book the stop is that pattern interrupt you're going if, if i spot myself you know having a negative thought i'm entering into a silo it's it's i'm letting it grow i'm giving it food i'm giving it energy when all i've got to do is think of puppy dogs running around a field i've stopped it i've replaced it i've got a smile and i can go the opposite journey because it's all in your head you know, or, or even if it wasn't, it's how you deal with it. So you can let something destroy your life and take control. But if you can just stop and do the pattern interrupt and be aware, like your book says, you can take control and turn a bad thing into a good thing. You can you can go from bad health to good health by just having a positive attitude and reinforcing it. So again, I, I saw an awful lot of that in you. Stop. It's actually, I think one of the little sayings you had in your book was, catch yourself in the act now we won't go there with other connotations what the hell that says but is in the act of thinking negative thoughts and stop and do the pattern interrupt and take control and do what you want to do so i i heard all that in your book and so smile and smile the whole world smiles with you no i don't know how that works i don't know I, I like the idea that it's, it's really you're transforming somebody from who, who is constantly looking inward and and allow it, and showing them a way to look outwards. And once their focus is no longer on their inner self and looking at what's on around them, they can then start to appreciate the world. Because I mean, the great thing is, like we we, we mentioned, stop. One uh, one of the um, I, I was on a little course uh, up in Lan uh, a couple of years ago, and part of the exercise was to close your eyes, switch down that uh, feed of information, and actually sit quietly and listen. And what was fascinating was to hear bumblebees go past, as that, flapping their, their wings, and they sounded like this massive great big plane going past. 
and then you could hear that you could feel this rumbling and it's kind of going what's going on here there's a rumbling sensation and it was actually the Larne ferry coming from scotland and it was away it was like 10 miles away when you initially started and you felt it coming into the harbor and it was just the vibrations that were going on and all these birds flying past and then the leaves quite often because we, we we're 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 too caught up in these little mobile phones mm-hmm. that that totally distract you and take your they rob you of your life we're suddenly forgetting that the world that we live in the reality that we live in is far more entertaining and far more pleasant to be part of if we could just just get disconnected from all this technical stuff that's kind of messing up our our uh, electric sort of feed the, the magnetic feed going around us is being disrupted by all this other le- technology and i don't know how you feel but if i'm in front of this computer for too long i know that there's a fatigue just it's like my energy levels just go through it's like somebody's just hit a switch and i have to escape from it i have to stop it but i think that's the key thing we are in a, a really amazing time if we look at it from a certain perspective where we now have an opportunity to actually listen to the world, watch the world outside, and enjoy what that creation is that's been given to us, you know, in our own gardens, which I think is a really, really important part of that process. Now, we like yeah. animals. So there's a question in there somewhere. There's an elephant running a rampage. Running around. So, so I have a painting in the corner over here of a six-foot pink elephant. So we, the show is called 52 Jokers Wild in the room. The in the room is the elephant in the room. And there's always an elephant in the room. Some rooms, there's a feckin' herd of them running around. So what in, I suppose if we chuck a question at you now, I mean, what's your, what's your current elephant? What's the current elephant? Well, actually, we, we've talked about it and we were, because we, you know, we were right there on, you know, with the elephant. The elephant is the box and our fears, you know, and it's us not shy, you know, shying away from, you know, there is a box and the walls of the box, uh, they are full of fears and we just have to go at it. And, you know, using like another analogy, like you have your mothil and the mountain. So, you know, the South African have this, uh, uh, like, proverbs that they that they say or jokes um, they say how do you eat an elephant and the answer is one bite at a time uh, and actually it's just really really true so you know it's identify it's uh, you use the word that actually um we i hadn't come up yet but uh, I'm, I'm shocked for Drake. it's an endangered species <laughs> and you're eating them you gotta be mindful here now i i just love it when they just go ask you well how do you eat an elephant uh, so it's something that they do over there so, <laughs> no. so one bite at a time but it's really that explanation of you know going for it but having identified so being aware uh, and i'm actually surprised the the word hadn't come up before because i use it an awful lot <laughs> because you know i always say if mindset had an a it would be for awareness um awareness is is key um and not shying away from that elephant uh, really like actually being very kind and holding hands and just like saying okay i i see you for you know who and what you are uh and i think then you know the world then is our oyster um and a stage no you just reminded me so now i'm going to join dots in the book in different language in the sense of now you mentioned the elephant in your case is a is more awareness of the edge of the box and maybe the fear all in one sentence if i if i heard you right now somewhere in the book there's mentions there's this the orphan and the orphan is the fear now i'm going we gotta adopt the orphan 
which is fear. In this case, which might be, we have to own the elephant. We have to adopt this elephant, whatever, you know, if fear it happens to be or, or whatever fixed mindset it is. And we have to go ride the elephant through the wall, over the edge, on, on a new safari. We're going to go basically safari with our elephant. We're going to own that fear. We're going to tame him. We're going to make friends with it. And we're going to embrace it and go on a new journey and enjoy the journey of safari into the unknown of new experiences and learning. So, and then by the end of it, we don't kill the elephant. Or maybe we'll have to kill the elephant and probably eat him, as you said. But I mean, if we don't do that, no, actually, that's what we have to do. We have to eat and own that fear. Then we have to find a new elephant and do the process again. Now, we're not condoning going on... You know, the real elephants and going out there with these endangered species. But actually, we want to make fear an endangered species. There you go. I found my home. So, do is no, in our language, the elephant is not the, the fear, it's the fear. It's what's the elephant's name? It's the fear of what? So I, my elephant might be I want to lose two stone and I don't know how to do it and I got to go on the journey of, you know, ec- the fear of exercise, having to commit to a plan. You know, it's those New Year's resolutions of going, we got to get healthy by next Christmas because we're going to eat ourselves a new turkey. But I mean, until then, we've got a plan of getting healthy, wealthy and wise. But two weeks in, we're not using the gym membership and, we, and the plan went out the window and the New Year's resolutions. And the problem is, most people don't embrace their fears because it's hard work. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on that? And, and it's, you know, and it, it, it's why I wanted this book to be out and I, why I've written it. Um, because our fear um, is not our enemy and we have to befriend it to actually then make it happen. This this is the only way that it will happen. And it's not about, sometimes some people, you know, they say, let, let, let's be fearless. This not really it in like, this needs more context because actually um, a true fearless state of mind is when you are inside of your comfort zone and you've sat and you are not moving <laughs> because then that is the only time where you won't have any doubt and insecurity popping in and any fears. Um, it's about, if you want to use the word being fearless, it's about being learning how to befriend your fear thanks to my Lead Beyond the Edge framework on where you learn, okay, now I'm making it my friend and I can learn how to push through. Like, you know, looking back to George explaining, I would push, you know, that wall and that wall goes down. And then we are, then as George said, we are suddenly into this larger box and then it's going to be fine for a while. And then again, we're going to start again. And then we have this framework and we befriend our fear and then we push the wall again and then, you know, we just keep on pushing through. I know, you know, the two of you also talk about how um, I think the way you say it is happy, not happy, which is it's that when you, you know, it's that ever growing growth, uh, you know, you you continue learning. And if you are happy where you are, then you are. Uh, but then you may be inside that comfort zone. And at some point, you know, you want to expand. No, that's the great yeah. thing. You're saying, see, the weird thing is, it's not for everyone. If you're happy, then you, a lot of people question the fact, oh, this, I couldn't be happy. I'm happy. Why am I happy? I should be unhappy. I, I need to be maybe doing something else. And they go on journeys they don't need to go on because they were actually 
happy. They were fine. They were grand. They were, it wasn't that it was a comfort zone. They actually had grown to where they needed to be. And it was actually the perfect storm. Now, the unhappy is probably more reflective of you're in a zone that's, you know, you're uncomfortable in, then uncomfortable is reflected in unhappiness because you're not happy where you are. You need to move out of that and go on a new journey till you become happy. So happiness and comfort, it do, it, they're, they're aligned and it doesn't mean you have to keep on forever growing because you might just need to grow to the level of happiness that you're aware you're living in the now and the moment and, 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 and what you have. You could do with two more Porsches, but I'm happy with the one. You know, it, it's, it, it's, it does, it's what, what makes sense. Now, when I heard you say fearless, I don't, a word just jumped into my mind and it was fierce. So the, it was more, and the other side of you know, fear is actually courage. So you're pushing through your fears. What you're really doing is you're on your journey to get the courage to go on your journey. Because now you're not fearless, but you're becoming fierce. You're becoming bold. You're getting the audacity to, right. to move forward, recognize where you are. And that it's, that, that's not where you want to be. So you can, go, you can go on that journey. You may, not meet, you may not reach the land of Oz, but you're on the yellow brick road, as we keep on saying, and you know every step you take is you're happier. You're, 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 you're going to keep on getting happier. You're going where you want to go. You're not in control. You, you, you mentioned your book again. You're not in control of everything. There's an awful lot of uncontrollables out there. You can only, don't be unhappy with the uncontrollables and think that's something you're doing because you, you cannot affect it. Mm -hmm. Be happy that you're dealing with your framework again, which it says the strategic control. It's you, if you take control of the controllables that you can affect, then you're, you could be happy in yourself that you're doing your best and you are going on your journey. So there's word first, bold, courage, you know, it's all, it all seems to emanate from, from those frameworks again. I know you might use different words and similar words, but it, it's actually now just, I'll end on this. It wasn't really a question or a statement. It was what was more reminding me of. Mm -hmm. It's just reminding me of three Fs that George was talking about this morning, which you use in your framework somewhere else. He was trying to remember, you're going to tell us, but I was thinking of FFS, uh, which was a, it's a, nice, it's a nice little Irish course for fuck's sake. You know, but it, it was the acronym for that. But yours is better. Yours is... I think it's got fear. It might have fierce. You're going to tell us what it is. So we're up to the three Fs. So up to the three Fs. The three <laughs> Fs are the three reaction to fear. Um, there are three ways that we can react. Um, we can fight. Uh, we can freeze. Or we can fly. Uh, and the obviously loads of people would be familiar with the fight or flight response. Um, and we do dig in into it. But there is that third reaction, which is that freeze, um, which actually, in a sense, we've talked about quite a lot. This is where we just pause and take stock. And we then realize, do we want to fight? Or do we want to, you know, retrieve and, you know, fly away? And this is this is a wonderful middle reaction where you are then, you know, you are in control of your behavior. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to lead? Uh, it's all in your hands. One of the things I, I found sort of fascinating there was that... Um, as, as Gavin was talking, as you, and you're talking there as well, is that quite often we have a fear of doing something, which is where the freeze comes in. So we, we freeze, we don't want to do it. 
But that fear can help you start to prepare yourself for an activity that you need to do. Now, we've done this with the filmmaking in the past where we've, we've had to think, well, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? Okay, let's just put in, let's, it's risk assessment is what we're actually doing. We put in all, all the controls to make sure things go. And then the day of the shoot, whichever day it is, you suddenly get there and say, well, all I need to do is be there and go through the processes that I've set up and not actually be frightened now because whatever happens we have a method of, of, of dealing with it and actually being present in that moment, being in the now and just experiencing what's going on and doing your bit that you, you've been sent to do. The same with the music. You know, if I was playing uh, a piece of music, I'd practice, practice. I'd be worried about what I was going to be doing. And even, even before uh, the event, uh, and in this case, it was probably the, in, in, in a mass, but before it started, if it was a practice run, I'd be messing up everything. But I knew that once I let go and allowed the spirit, in, in my case, to, to take over, when the performance happened, it would tended to be okay. And you knew that there was something else there with you, guiding you as you went through. Now, afterwards, uh, you suddenly felt this adulation, this, this sense of, wow, I've given. And now the reward is that I suddenly, that, you know, you were saying that, Enworth or whatever they call it, inside your head you're feeling excited you were happy because you knew that you'd given what you could do it may not have been perfect but there was enough people coming up and saying look well done you, you did a good job we're, we're happy with what you did and and that's where you're thinking about your audience out there as well because you know that you've you've given them what they needed and they're feeling the same joy so it's not just an individual thing it's a shared community type experience because you stepped out and gave them something that enhance their life in that moment. And I think that's that's the joy of giving. That's something that's kind of, I think, very important. That's the act, the engage that you talked about. Well, I'm going to just jump in and them. give Frederica the airtime in a second, but I might rob her own story on her, depending. And what it is, is <laughs> you've just done a story. So it depends what page you got up to, George. You flipped through the book. Yeah. I read the 118 pages, but I spotted the story. And I think now she's, she alludes to a trick they're going on stage and it's that fear or flight and it's sort of wrapped into it, I believe. And as you said, it's more this reactive, proactive type of, I'm a reactive person. I nearly panic and run away in reaction. I had I waited three seconds and thought about it being what you were saying, I probably would have went the opposite way and realized it's not a big deal. But, you know, the beauty of what George just said was he actually gave this stage type scenario in a church that he himself experienced there. And good or bad, you just embrace it. You went on. The show must go on. You had no choice. You can embrace mm. the fear. You're just going to go up there. You can be afraid or otherwise. So, Frederica, you've got a trick for going on stage, I believe, somewhere in the little book, which actually might wrap this analogy up a little bit. Well, I don't know because it's like spoiler alert. No, no, no. <laughs> All right, no, no. <laughs> All right, it's page 109 spoiler and you can buy the book. <laughs> no, it has to be. No, yeah, it has yeah. to be. <laughs> All right, that's good. I just, it, it's in there. Actually, I'm there not going to spoil the spoiler alert. But as I said, it's back to that take control. You know, it's that break. Yes, George said it there as well. It's, it's if we recognize... You know where we are we can 
you know, I actually think I'm remembering again earlier on what we're talking about was the Walter Mitty of things. You know, he went, he did, he went on the journeys first in his mind, and then there was a great film, you know, in a sense of, Den I think it was a Still Ben Stiller. Then he went off and actually lived it. He actually did the same things again, yeah. not just in his imagination, but in real life. And now again, I know it's a film of a film of an imaginary man, but it, it, it had, it was a lovely film to watch in the sense of, we all have dreams and we're walking down the road to the shops and we're, we're skiing in our heads. And, and okay, that's about as close as we're going to get currently. But is that now when things get better in the future, do we go skiing in real life? Now, maybe if things don't get few, actually don't get better in the future, we still experience the experience and had a good walk down to the shops whereby I'm usually running. People think I'm your man out of, out of uh, Tom Hanks, out of uh, Forrest Gump going off for a run. I'm running about 60 miles an hour down to the shops with a big smile on my face. They think there's a lunatic on the loose. But what I'm doing is I'm skiing in my head. So I, I, I've got this adrenaline of going down mountains while going down the road. And I, I reflect it outwards. And that's what people will then see. You're, you're having a great time. He's a lunatic. But there's a full 3D film going on in my head of, of what the activity is for today. So you don't, you can, there's, George remind me again where people are, the pandemic is stopping off of people and we're saying do positive things. And some people can't, there's escapism as well. There's, you have to, they can't escape their lives. They're in poverty. They're not, we're saying, well, if you weren't doing this, go off and do something else. There's programs I'm watching on TV. There isn't a choice there. They're selling drugs. They're in a country that that's the only choice is to feed their children. If you don't do it, someone will shoot them. So there's an awful lot of, you know, you got like like for like comparisons and saying there's people that, that their only journey is escapism in their heads versus trying to fulfill something in a, in a real world life environment. We're very lucky that we can actually say, come up with a dream and be actually able to lead from the edge and make it happen. I'm not saying other people can't do that, but it's, it's not like for like in an awful lot of cases. It's tough for an awful lot of people. I think there's something also very important because um, what we have to learn is that we can do, we control so much and then there's a lot that we don't control. And we have to know where is the point to let go. And, and I used to do lots of painting and things like that. And I, I began to realize that if I tried to tweak it and become a perfectionist, I'd end up destroying what I was doing. It's like you can overcook the cake if you're not careful. If, you leave, if, you, if you're trying to put or you put too many ingredients in it, it can, it, can, it can not quite taste right. But sometimes you have to, you know that you've got so far, you've done all that you possibly can. And now you need to let go. It's like children when they get older. There comes a point where, you know, I've, I've taught them all I can possibly do. Now I need to let go and relax in knowing that they can now do it themselves. And, and, and that happens to students as well. You, you, you get to a point where, you know, they're, they're sailing their own ship and you can let go. And you need to let go. Otherwise, you're, if you over control them, you're not allowing them to have the life that they need to have. And I think that's something that's important. It's also important with projects because you can smother a project, you can strangle a project just because you're trying to over control it. And that's something that we have to, there's a, there's an, that's in your acceptance part, <laughs> I think as well. I'm kind of looking at it and kind of go, yeah, yeah, actually that's the acceptance. <laughs> you have to learn to know when to stop and let go. And I think that that's an important part. And I think we, we're, we're reaching, uh, uh, we're, we're about 122 minutes into this. We have to reach a point where we have to let go of this conversation. 
Well, I'm going to throw the last question back to Frederica and go. Go on, then throw the last what, question because I normally ask people next? what would they like what's to say. Next? What's, what's next? What's the plan yeah. for world domination? World domination. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, right now, uh, really enjoying every single minute of the journey, uh, which I think is something, you know, that came up. Um, it's not where you end up. It's uh, enjoying the journey. Um, obviously, this is my first book. Uh, so um, what's next? Uh, maybe another one. But right now, I'm really, really focused on this one. Um, I would like as many people, you know, to get their hands on so that they can build their own path in their brain and they can achieve the extraordinary. Um, so really, I, I think, you know, this is going to be uh, weeks, months and years of work on this. And um, continuing to, you know, I've been really... Like there was a real pivot in my business where, you know, suddenly we are delivering digitally um, and continuing to help leaders be extraordinary, uh, even at this very unsettling time. And, you know, and who knows, you know, some people have already asked and I do say it is a first book, which, of course, then hint away that, um, you know, there is a lot more material and, you know, maybe uh, maybe a second one. <laughs> That's it. It's the end of the beginning. That's it. Yes. It's not the beginning of the, the end. end. The beginning. No. <laughs> well, everybody, thank you very much for joining us for this very, very special edition of In the Room with George and Garvin, hopefully, or Garvin and George, depending on which way around. Our special guest today has been Frederica Murphy, and she's been talking about her book, which comes out at the end of March, I believe that's right, isn't it? March that right? 30th, yeah. official publication. March the 30th, which is a great day because that's my mum and dad's wedding anniversary. Yeah. Um, so it's a special day for them. Well, for my mum anyway at this you point. You can get them a and present the each called, of the book, George. You can get, get them a present each. Yeah, that's it. So the book is called Lead Beyond the Edge, and I'm sure it'll be on Amazon. Lead, I should make sure it's right outlet. there. Now. You, are you reading that? Is lead, it lead Beyond the right. Edge. Just don't get lead it wrong on Frederica. No, I haven't got that. <laughs> wrong so uh, or or if you if you will we'll put um Frederica's uh, website at the end of this uh, in the end credits so if you want to go there I'm sure you can access the book there also so thank you everybody for joining us today and thanks to Frederica and thanks to Garvin and we'll close and say bye 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 for now. thanks for watching farewell thank you hope you enjoyed this video please subscribe and click on the bell for notifications